0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning. Man, it's been hot lately, hasn't it? Woo! Praise God for air conditioning. Uh, my name is Jay Vineyard. If I've not had opportunity to meet you, if you're uh, maybe first time here, uh, I'm one of the associate pastors. And have responsibilities that include uh, pastoral care, uh, guest services, uh, volunteer mobilization, and a few other things. And boy, this sure is a joy to serve you as a church. Man, we love you, and we're so thankful for you. Uh, we, are, we uh, have some teenagers that have had a hard time getting home. I don't know if you're keeping up, but we had a bunch of teenagers that went Guyana, South America, on a mission trip. And this week, uh, in where they were, they experienced more rain than they have in the last 15 to 20 years. So they got really wet and soggy. And then, because of the rain, their flight couldn't leave on time. I don't know all those nuances, but there was a plane that had to leave Guyana, get to Miami, and then come back and get them, and it didn't happen. And then finally they sent a plane that was too small for everybody that needed to get on it. That was chaos. And so the bottom line is our teenagers got into Miami last night late. Their flight home to Atlanta had already departed and uh, American Airlines was full today, and Delta was gonna charge a whole lot of money. Bottom line, they couldn't get home till Tuesday. Ooh. So now, they are enjoying each other on a couple of, of vans, and I just can't imagine what mamas are gonna get. When that bag opens up with that, that, those clothes that have been molding for a couple extra days, and my encouragement is take it outside before you open it because it's going to be ugly when that bag opens. So we're going to pray for our teenagers. They did an incredible job in Guyana, and we're just so thankful for them. But we do know they're tired, and uh, we're just going to pray for them right now. We're going to pray for our service. All right, so let's pray together. So, Father, uh, when we serve you, sometimes the unexpected happens. And a group of teenagers and adults are experiencing that. And right now, they need a little bit more patience. They need a little bit more energy. Uh, They need to look and see how you're going to use this uh, opportunity to grow them up a little bit. And we just pray for their protection as they drive home. We pray for uh, moms and dads as they were... Very anxious about uh, their children, and we just uh, thank you for them and pray for them. We pray for the leaders. And, Father, for this morning as we have gathered to worship and hear your word taught and sing praises to you, we pray that you'll open our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, starting today and extending to next Sunday, the theme is going to be Serve. And the biblical principle of serve is found in Matthew 20, 28, when Jesus said, but whoever would be great among you shall be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so what we want to do the next couple of weeks is that we're going to look Uh, at the biblical principles that talk about serving and giftedness. So we're going to look today at Ephesians chapter 4, and next week we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12. The second thing we're going to do is uh, give you an opportunity to examine all of the serving opportunities at Dogwood Church. Now, did you happen to see this brochure when you came in the door? Yes? No. It's still there for you. little table outside And what we have for you in this this little brochure are all of the serving opportunities that are at Dogwood Church. And there are many. And we give you descriptions of what are available for you and who the key leaders are in that area. And so here's what I want you to do is take this home. You don't need to do it now unless you're really bored in the sermon, all right? But I want you to take this home and start looking through this. And, and it, you know, here's the thing is that you'll find a place that you can use your gifts and your talents here at Dogwood Church. But some of you are going to say, what what, I've, what I'm looking for is not here. For example, I've had two women, one through, uh, through correspondence and one face-to-face conversation, that have feel called to work with young women that are new mamas. Not here. But we'll make it happen. Does that make sense to you? And so take a look, and you think about uh, serving. And then next Sunday, we're going to have a ministry fair. On the porch, all the ministry leaders are going to be available to you for you to go and have conversation, uh, to meet, get more information. Uh, So that's next weekend. And here's the bottom line is this. Uh, We want to push everyone in our church towards serving at some capacity in some way towards serving. Uh, There are some that are already serving, and it might be a confirmation of of where they're serving, and they're going to say, I need to stay here. For others that are serving, it might be an opportunity for you to say, well, you know, there are other opportunities as well. And still, there are some that you haven't quite engaged yet, and this is your chance to find the place of ministry. And so that's what we're going to do for the next two weeks, okay? Now, as they're leaving, I would like to for you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Open your Bibles or turn them on, whichever one you want to do, Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, for homework, I'm going to ask you to to, to put the, the passage of Scripture in context. You'll, you'll want to read verses 1 through 16. Now, we're going to pick up at verse 7, but tonight, why don't you read starting in verse 1. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 7 reading from the English Standard Version. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean? But he had also a descendant to the lower regions of the earth, He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that when we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head in Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What a great passage. Now, whenever you go home tonight, And read this passage. I want you to give particular attention to some themes that run throughout this scripture. One is in love. It's repeated. Uh, Notice the word grace. Notice the word gifts. And particularly the concept of unity. So those are some ideas that you want to pay attention to as you read the scripture tonight. Now, when I was a younger man, I came across a principle called the paratial principle. It's an organizational theory. And some of you have been in, in uh, maybe business school. You're familiar with it. Have you ever heard of the paratial principle, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Some of said yes. Some of you said no. So let me tell you basically what it means. 20% produces 80%. And so in life, 20% of your energy and it produces 80% of your outcome. For business leaders, it's a, little, it's a little discouraging to know that 20% of your workforce produces 80% of your results. But even in church, is that true? Well, unfortunately, yes. In fact, those who study church and are involved in, in writing about church will point out that 20% produces 80%, and now in some churches, it's more like 10 to 90 but here's the thing about that, that principle. It can't work at Dogwood Church in order for us to be the church that God has called us to be. In fact, here's, here's the fundamental idea. Is that God is uniquely giving you gifts, passions, abilities, and experiences that ought to be used for the kingdom. And whenever we use all that God has given us, the church becomes vital and healthy. And as the church becomes vital and healthy, the church can reach its full redemptive potential. And then the church can influence and turn the culture. Now, we always say we want to see a change in our culture. Where does it start? It starts when believers begin serving. And so here's here's what we have to do. At Dogwood Church... We need 80% doing one thing and doing one thing well. When that happens, you're going to experience incredible joy. When that happens, Dogwood Church is going to be the church that God has called us to be in the community. Now, as we pay attention into this passage, Paul is talking about the practical working of, of the church and the functioning of the church. And the themes that run through it is that all believers are gifted and the unity that should mark the church. And so as you think about this this theme, let's start with the first idea that you are gifted for ministry. Notice verse 7 when Paul says the words, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, the grace that is spoken of here is not the grace of salvation, but rather it is the grace that you and I have the great opportunity to join God in his work. Paul could have just said, to each of us, ministry has been given. So again, what does this mean? Well, when you enter that relationship with Christ, not only was the grace given for your salvation experience, but grace is also given and the power and the privilege and the opportunity to use all that he has given you to advance the kingdom of God. And basically it does this for you. It reminds us that you only take two things to heaven, you and someone else. That's it. And as you serve you have the great privilege of it, taking other people with you to heaven. But I think that we have a, I have a suspicion that we're developing a distorted view of grace. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, distorted in this—in the in first off in the sense that in the American culture is this idea of privilege. We somehow deserve the grace that was given to us as our salvation experience. And, and for many Christians, it's of course I'm a Christian. I deserve it because of just because I'm a great guy. And when we have that mental model, it distorts the serving opportunity because then we go and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to do some things. I'm going I'm I'm to give God a favor and, and do some things for the kingdom. When I was preparing to teach in Russia, I came across a, a statement by one of my favorite writers. And his name is Tony Evans. And he he said this, and it was it was very convicting to me. He said, far too many people approach church like teenagers in a house. They want their own stuff, space, freedom. They want the convenience when it comes to corporate dwelling, but they don't want to be disturbed." with anything else. Many Christians have come to view the church for its convenience. Help me, bless me, save me, preach to me, sing to me, pray for me. But don't expect me to be a vehicle to minister to anyone else or join with you to impact the world. Many men see the church as a task to be done rather than a community to be in. Or worse, some men look at church as a prostate exam, something that can save your life, but it's so unpleasant and invasive we want to put it off. Whew. I think Dr. Evans nailed it, didn't you? I'm going to give you a couple of great reasons to serve. The first reason is that when you serve, you will find more joy in doing that than any other life experience barring a wedding and the the birth of your children. The other thing that we discovered when I was in in, in work for the Georgia Baptist Convention, I did a study, and we discovered that when people use their gifts, their talents, their experience, their abilities, all that for the kingdom, in life, they're happier people. Now think about that. In life, they're happier people. And so when I get in churches, man, I went out and there were some stinking thinking people. Oh, man, they, they would criticize and they would, they would just complain about everything. Guess who they were? They were the people that were just sitting there. See, here's what I'm learning. People, when they're very critical and negative toward life and, and people who are really always down in life, it's because their eyes are on themselves. When you serve, your eyes shift from you, and it goes to someone else. And what I would suggest, if you're one of those people that that really feels down on life, why don't you go to our Real Life Center and check what goes out there? You're going to see life through a whole different lens at our center and the people that we minister to and the life and experiences that people bring to us there beyond anything else, and it'll change your whole perspective. But as you you think about your giftiness, you also think about your passion. What are you passionate about? Two years ago, Army Major Mike Flurry joined our church. Now, Mike is uh, in the Army. He's an investigator. He's kind of like the FBI equivalent in the Army. And as soon as he walked in the door, he said, Jay, I'm going to work with teenagers. Now, folks, I have, a, I, have a, I have a principle that whenever I'm around somebody that carries a gun for a living, I, I tend to agree with them. I said, absolutely, Mike, we're going to make that happen for you. Putting with teenage boys that were middle schoolers. Whew. February, I was, up, um, I was up here on Saturday morning, 8 o'clock in the morning. Mike was here, and about 12 of those middle school boys were with him. 8 o'clock Saturday morning. They were going to clean up a senior adult's house that day. And, man, he had them out there. They were saying, yes, sir. Man, he had them, he had them ready for action. And they went and they served, and they had a great time. But then Mike began something else. He He called it the mighty men of valor, and he instilled in these teenage boys what it meant to be a man of God. He he taught them to memorize scripture. He taught them about commitment to one another. He began to shape their lives in an incredible way. In fact, we had a couple of these teenage boys that were really struggling with issues. Man, he got them shaped up in life. Unfortunately, Mike is leaving us. He's been shipped to Korea. And no doubt this man is going to wear a colonel's wings on his, on his shoulders at some point, maybe even a general, but let me tell you what he really did. He forever changed the lives of a bunch of boys and taught them to be a man. And when these young men grow up in adulthood, they will always look back at Mike Fleury and say, I don't know where he is, but he shaped my life. Now, wouldn't you like to have that legacy in your life? And some of you are saying, well, you know what? I, I, I'm not really gifted to, to, to teach, but there are other places that you can plug in. In another church, there was a guy named, by the name of Wallace, and I couldn't stand to be around him. I'll just be honest with you. He, well, he did, now, let me tell you what he did, and then I'll tell you what, why I had a hard time with him. Right? So Wallace, what he would love to do is he, he, he and his wife would go out, and they would build churches. Little, you know, when they small church, they would actually go out, help construct the church. That's what he did in retirement, and that was a good thing. The hard thing about Wallace is that he took frowning to a whole new level. And he's sitting right there. Now, now, you guys don't cross your arms and don't frown because it gives me flashbacks. He would do this. man. He, I never saw the man smile in, in my work there, ever. he frowned, man. It was so serious. And it, it, it really kind of threw me off. I, and so when I was teaching her in the pulpit, I'd look around, look around. And I'd go, I'd go, I couldn't look at the man. It kind of unnerved me, you know. And I just made it a, a, as a public policy. I'd just try not to talk to him. His wife was worse. (laughs) Happy home. Well, I was coming out of Jernigan's Hardware one day in Fairburn. That's where we live. And I came out of Jernigan's Hardware. He was doing this. We hit, and I couldn't hide. It was one of those moments. Oh, gee, man. And he goes, Jay? Yes, sir? Wish I could teach like you. and then he went on he said you know God has given me this ability to build and he said when I do that I'm enabling a church to do ministry in this community and it brings me happiness he almost smiled interesting so God is, is gives us this uh, giftedness, but he also can put a passion in your life to do something significant. But the other th- theme that you want to see, which is starting in verse 12, is that you're equipped to do ministry. And you'll notice that really in verse 11, he's talking about the roles of the pastors. What, what, is, what really is the role of the pastor? And that is to equip ministers you to do ministry equip the saints for ministry and that the idea of equipping is to prepare you to do what god has called you to do and the the equipping comes in a lot of different ways sometimes it's a sermon sometimes it's providing training sometimes it's providing instruction opportunities encouragement and basically what we never ever want to do is to put you in a ministry role where you're not ready for it and so w- when we look at this word equipped, you'll notice uh, really in, in starting in verse 12, you see that word to, it's, it, it, that's a preposition. And it has the idea for the sake of purpose of or in order that so that, so, so, he's saying, so that you will be equipped. Now, equipping is a really interesting word. In fact, it has a lot of different nuances that we're going to show you on the screen. And it means to mend a frayed fishing net, to restore something to the original condition. And so what this has to do is that here are people that we are all, we're all sinful, aren't we? And what happens is, is that the pastors equip us and they, they, they bring us back to where God originally wanted us to be in holiness and purity so we could be used. And then it goes on to condition an athlete to compete, to set a broken bone and to furnish a house. And that idea of setting a broken bone, the nuance is that people will frequently come and life is, they're broken. They're hurt. They're wounded. Life has come unglued for them. And when they come here, they find a place of healing and hope. And as as their their lives are put back together again, they find a place where they can serve and use that experience for God's kingdom. And so when Paul is saying this, he's he's basically saying that, that when people come, they're far from perfect. Now, I hear the words that many people say is, Jay, I, I, before I can serve, I really need to get my act together. Now, I I will admit that there are some times that people are not spiritually ready to serve. And also understand that there are some seasons of life when it's not when it's best not to serve. But that's not always the case. Uh, but, but what they're basically saying is that that whatever the spiritual requirements are, I, I'm not quite there yet, or my house has to be perfect, my marriage has to be perfect, my kids have to be perfect, everything has to be in order in order for me to be used, and that's simply not the case. And what we're learning is that actually what will fast-forward your spiritual development faster than anything else is when you step in and serve. Now, let me, I know this by personal example, it comes from my father. Now, my dad is probably one of the most godly men that I've known. And he's influenced my life more than any other man that I've ever had. But that wasn't always the case. When my dad lived in Pampa, Texas, the best way of describing it is he was a hellion. Now, I don't know what he could have gotten into the 40s and 50s in Pampa, Texas, but he was there. All right? And, and it, it went into, went after he got married and started having kids. He was still there. In fact, uh, when we grew up in Amarillo, uh, the choices of churches reflected that. Uh, um, uh, in in, in Amarella, you were either Baptist or you were weird. All right, so we went to another place. And we were considered weird. And later on in life, we said, Dad, why did we go there? I said, well, quite honestly, because I could drink and it would be all right there. You know, that was his life. Well, about mid, mid-life, life came unglued for my dad. And he was confronted with the gospel. And he came to know the Lord. But he wasn't complete in that journey quite yet, in that he, he had a lot of growing to do. And so as, we, as he uh, became a father of Christ, he was asked to teach this young adult class called College and Career. And he got in there and said, well, I don't know anything about teaching. But he started figuring it out. And, he, and then as he was teaching, he was confronted with some things. And he, he said, you know, Gene, that's my dad's name. He said, you can't live like this. You cannot be this example for these people. And that began to change his trajectory. It transformed him. And let me tell you how profound that change would happened. My dad has three sons. All three are passionate about their relationship with the Lord because of him. My oldest brother was, was uh, he was far from God. And because of my dad's influence at the same time, my dad came to faith and had changed. My brother, he came to faith and his life was changed. Well, My dad's three sons, we all have three kids. Every one of them are followers of Christ. Every one of them. And now my dad's working on the great grants. Now, men, how would you like to have that legacy for your life? And don't sit there and say, well, I got to, you know, I got to on. Step in and let Christ transform your life as you're serving. It will profoundly not only influence people around you, but it will probably save your children and your marriage. So step in. Now, as we begin to see the call to ministry, there's another idea is the result is that the body is built up. Now, notice what happens. In verse 12, it says the word for which has the idea of the result. And so the result is this. The body is built up. And we are who Christ has called us to be. And then notice the idea that there is the unity of the faith. In order for a church to be used significantly in, in the community, it has to be One, not uniformity, but one. When I was working at the uh, George Baptist Convention, one of the things that I always hated to do, but was called on to do is to go to churches that were dysfunctional. Folks, in some places it was so bad, the deacons got on the front lawn and they fisted it out. Man, it was a fist fight. And we laugh about it, and I look at it, and I think it's so funny, but you know what happened to the legacy of that church and what the perception of that church was in the community? If this is the way the Christians are, I don't want anything part of it. But as we serve, we become one. And as we serve, the other outcome is that there's spiritual maturity. Those are the distinct outcomes of being obedient to the Lord. So let me ask a question. Can you look at your life right now? Just just take an honest evaluation. Say, okay, this is where God is using me right now in my life. Now, it might not be the big thing. It might not be a teacher or somebody that preaches from the pulpit or something like that. It could be something really small of, hey, I'll step in and make sure the bathrooms are clean during worship service. But can you look at a place where you can say, that's the place that I'm making a difference And if you can, yay. But if you're not so sure, why don't we make today the start? Now on the communication cards, you just go ahead and take those out. See, remember these? Go ahead and take them. See it? Go ahead and rip it. You got it? And here's what's going to happen. On the front side of it, you can put your name and prayer request, but on the back side, you can communicate with us and say, All right. Jay, I'm ready to start. Don't know where. I'm going to look at the communication card. Will you meet with me? Absolutely. Will you help me? Absolutely. So whenever we take the offering, we all want to put the communication card. I want you to put it in the basket and begin an incredible journey. But the journey starts in the first place. It starts with a relationship with the Lord. Uh, I, I would imagine in this room, there are a lot of folks that were like my dad. You know, you come and you sing, but and you do all the outward things, but inwardly you haven't quite yet accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And for some of you, you're really not sure what that means. But that's the beginning place. And it's so easy. It's an acknowledgement of who God is and the fact that, he, that Christ died for your sins. And he offers you this new life, new hope. That's the beginning place. If you like to have conversation about becoming a father of Christ, you can write it on the communication card. If you like, right over here in the corner. Would be some people that want to talk to you about how you can do that. But in a moment, we're just going to, the other part is that we give you an opportunity just to honestly evaluate your life and say, Lord, do I have the courage to say yes? So why don't you join me in prayer? So, Father, you've called us to serve. You've enabled us to serve. Give us the the courage to serve. Give us the courage to take that first step to say yes to you. And Lord, may we stand in amazement of how you use us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information about Dogwood Church, visit www.dogwoodchurch.org.